1939, J.R. Burke bet everything he owned by starting a lumber mill on the Seattle banks of the Fremont Cut that intersects into Seattle's waterfront, Lake Union. In 1975, Susie Burke, his daughter, joined the business with the goal of making Fremont great. Fast forward to today, Susie has been given the title Land Baroness of Fremont as she owns over half of Fremont's industrial commercial space. It's because of her work that Fremont boasts some of the most powerful businesses in existence. Businesses like Google, Brooks, Adobe, and Tableau, just to name a few. The Seattle skyline has changed dramatically in the last decade. In this interview, you'll meet a big-hearted, energetic, passionate, and sometimes a bit pushy woman tell the story of how she single-handedly changed the landscape in Fremont into the center of the universe. Acquiring this much land in Seattle doesn't come without its challenges. Here, Susie unapologetically tells stories of her battles with competitors and Seattle governing authorities. Welcome to Rise Seattle Podcast, a podcast about Seattle, the people, their stories, and Seattle's future. Here's your hosts, Phil Greeley and Tyler Davis-Jones. Well, thanks again for joining us. We know you're short on time, so we will get to it. And so you're, you know, you're a mover and shaker. You're a landowner and a developer. You have your hands. I'm not a developer. Well, You've got to drop that word. Okay. Uh, okay. The, okay. The, and, and not because I don't know and love developers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not because a de- developer takes a project, does it, and sells it. Mm-hmm. Developers don't stick around. Okay. So this is a good segue into just... Who are you? And yeah, what I do definitely you do? stick around. <laughs> 30, Thirty seconds, a minute. What's what is? Who is Susie Burke? What do you do? I make Fremont better. You make Fremont, man, so <laughs> concise. I love that. <laughs> that's my third. That's my that, one minute. And that's can, your motto. Yeah, straight to to the straight to the point. To the point. Okay. Uh, the reason I don't say uh, I'm the reason I'm not a developer is I am the. Um, second in a family business, my son Michael being the third, uh, that goes back to the 30s. Mm-hmm. My folks were Depression-era people who started a business because my dad was working for a guy who dropped dead one morning mm-hmm. and he knew they were all going to be out of work. That's mm-hmm. how it was. It was wow. depression. Yeah. And that was a mill. So my dad went across the street and started his own mill. Right. And the guys that wanted to take a chance went with him. And that wow. was the beginning of the Burke Mill. Right. And yes, indeed, Guarantee Mill went totally banco mm-hmm. and was gone. And dad took, up. Uh, I think there got to be about 50 of them, mm-hmm. through the Depression in Burke Mill. And in 1939, he got the biggest project let in Seattle. It was the Yesler Housing Project. Mm-hmm. And it was the only milling project let in Seattle in 1939 because it was still depression. Right. And he didn't have enough space to build it, so he came down and bought what was left of the Bryant Lumber Mill in Fremont. Hmm. So Fremont had had a lumber mill since the 1880s. Oh, wow. But it went banco in October of 1929. So between 29 and 39... The shipyards, the mills, everything that made Fremont work mm. was on Gone. its backside. Yeah. It was still the headquarters for the streetcars, which um, was, you know, something. That was where uh, Red Hook was in that building, where Theo is today. But, um, the, you know, it was on its backside. 
that reopening the mill was a very big thing for Fremont. Mm. And uh, to that end today, that property, that 19 acres, which he didn't buy in 39, he just started putting together in 39. It took him to the 50s to put wow. that together. Uh, still is the job source uh, at the heart of Fremont and that's my job is to make sure that just keeps pumping just keeps going mm -hmm. yeah. and and you know really dad changed his mill his business three times he was the little tiny um, detail millwork up on Brooklyn Avenue he was the great big Burke millwork company during the war employing 600 people mm -hmm. and uh, even out to into the 50s uh, 300 wow. um, uh, doing uh, boxcar mm -hmm. shipping and then he was the Burke Industrial Center and truthfully that's when I came on board mm. I was 30 and he was 70 when uh -huh. I came to work for what was called the Burke Industrial Center we had railroad and and we were on the uh, highway 99 mm -hmm. all of that made us a nice industrial park compact 19 acres mm -hmm. owned our own roadway totally sprinkled so to dial in on that for a second to give people a visual that original 19 acres where what were kind of the rough boundaries on that? Um, the aurora bridge okay. to finney okay. and below 34th street uh, running along 34th street on the lower eight, 18 feet to, to 30 feet down was the uh, uh, burlington northern railroad mm. and that railroad went all the way over into um, the U District area. Mm. Well, uh, at Stone, you had to cross the mm. railroad tracks, and at Finney, you had to cross. That was our only two ways in. Wow. All these, these, these uh, paths in today have all been mm. built as part of the reconstruction um, project of what was called Quadrant Lake Union Center and is now called Fremont Lake Union Center. Mm. And that was Dad's idea, too. Mm. Wow. So it, it sounds like, um, one, your dad just sounds like a really great guy. Um, he was bright. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what did a typical day look like for your dad um, in the 1939, right? He's starting this. Um, what was he doing, and what does it look like now in comparison to what you do today? They work 16 hours days. Okay, all right. Um, he, um, uh, mom and dad rented a $25 a month house across the street so that they didn't have to have a car. Oh. Every gosh darn dime went into that business, including hawking her her uh, rings. And um, as wow. my mother used to say, if they hadn't signed the final papers on Joe Joe's adoption, my, my oldest brother, mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the Catholic Charities would have taken him back. Wow. Yeah. But I will tell you, in 1939, my dad wrote a pledge to for $3,000 to give to the archbishop for the beginnings of the Blanchett High School. Wow. And he paid it off over the next three years, even though he was starting a business. And when my mother said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> he said, Florence, you give it, and then it comes. Mm. Tell us wow. about the Quadrant deal. Yeah. The Quadrant deal was my dad's idea of uh, land leasing. He had turned 80, and he didn't want to build any more buildings. And we, I had managed to buy 
the uh, Seattle Disposal property. He had always wanted it, but when it came down to it, he was 80 years old, and he says, I don't, I don't want to do anything more. You know, estate taxes, at that time, if my dad had died when he was 80, we would have had to pay half, half of everything he owned hmm. in estate taxes. Wow. Him. Mom. Right. It, you could not leave from, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, someone named Ronald Reagan got elected and changed that in <laughs> 1981. So in, in 1983, I was able to buy the Seattle Disposal property. We hadn't bought anything mm-hmm. in between. and uh, But it had three acres mm-hmm. and an old brick building. The old brick building I could rent out every day of the week, but we had to do something with the three acres. And Dad said, let's do a land lease. And, you know, the truth is um, Seattle didn't do land leases. And uh, his lawyer, everybody said, ah, uh, I can write the lease, Joe. I just can't get anyone to sign it. But Dad just had the idea that it was time. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you the little formula, which I tell people all the time now. You've got the golden property. You know what could be there. You can vision what could be there. And the property taxes are more than what you can charge for rent. We were in that situation mm. in 1986. Oh. So don't think that anything, you know, that everything has just popped in the last five years. Right. In 1986, we were charging our tenants less, uh, less per square foot than the real estate taxes were per square foot. Now, they paid that too. Right. You know, but that becomes an issue. This land you're talking about, this is surrounding the Fremont Bridge on either well, side? Well, we started with the little three acres that I bought from Seattle Disposal to see what could be done. Well, of course, the minute it became Quadrant and they wanted to do a project, they said, well, we really want that down there. And Dad said, proof up what you can do here. So in 1986, December, they signed a lease. They started applying for the permits January 87. May 87, we put the shovel in the ground, and I got a picture of Dad with a big smile on his face putting the shovel in the ground. At 86. And, and yes, and we, um, and we cut the ribbon to open the building in November, and they called it the Burke Building. And um, it sold to the Washington State, the building sold to the Washington State Pension Fund, December 16 of 87. Now, that's showing what you can do rather quickly. It was a spec building. We didn't know it, but they had a tenant in mind for the whole thing. Wow. But we didn't know it. But they went ahead on spec, and by June of that year, Dad said, yeah, I think you've shown what you can do. We'll do the rest of it, and we leased the rest of it and backdated it so that it would be the same. Mm-hmm. So both of, so all of that, 19 acres and 3 acres, were leased to Quadrant Corporation, and they called it Quadrant Lake Union Center. Wow. They, once they sold, um, the pension fund decided they wanted to be separate, mm. so they keep their own separate identity and now that's called Fremont Lake Fremont Union Lake Center. Union that Center. was all okay. in dad's mind wow. that it would be a significant investment and we would still own the ground. Mm. And in those leases it says they have to keep the Burke name on the ground mm. and um, it's a, a 55 year renewable lease. 
So consequently, it's good for the family mm-hmm. ongoing. Yeah. And that answers your question. Right. Are we going to be ongoing here? Right. And the answer is yes. Yeah. And it's it's all, so your, your hope is to keep this in the family. Your son's going to continue to run this. Um, Hopefully, grandkids. I'll come back and, and break good. both of his legs. There, he, there you go. <laughs> and to, to put this in context, the buildings that people might be familiar with Adobe. Adobe. Mm-hmm. Google. Google. Tableau. Mm-hmm. Uh, formerly Sound Mind and Body, but right. now Tableau. Right. Uh, from, the, from where Sound Mind and Bodies, well, from the dinosaurs to the Aurora Bridge. And the okay. Burke building, the first one, Is, that's where the Fremont Market uh, spills into, correct? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's where Theo Chocolate is. Oh yeah. Uh, the Burke Building has been very generous with their uh, lower parking and with their upper parking, but we like that upper parking really well. And in fact, the um, the art cars are going back there for the for the Fremont Fair, which is only a couple of weeks away. Wow. Aren't we lucky? Yeah. And um, and I believe our Dr. Marty Kahn who has been up on 36th Street, is moving down into a corner of the Burke Building now because he's become part of Northwest Physicians. So the folks up at Northwest Hospital were telling me yesterday that they're getting their TIs done for Marty, which means Fremont's going to have not only our good doctor we've had, Mm. but another couple of doctors with him Mm. and a real reinvestment in having um, quality uh, medical care right here. That's great. And so all those buildings, all those companies that people frequent in Fremont, Fremont Dot Company owns the dirt. Owns the dirt underneath indefinitely. That's why why they call me a land baroness instead of something else. Ah. I know they call me something else too. <laughs> but what a legacy your dad has left and it's got his name on it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you while they were digging the, the footings for the um, uh, Adobe buildings, which was that back at, in the mid nineties. I used to have people come down to my offices because they were still underneath the bridge there and, and say, you know, I was standing up there on the railing. I remember Fred Hassett. Uh, he had managed uh, C.A. Newell Company in the day. He says, I was standing up there, Susie, and I swear your dad was standing right next oh, to me. Oh, man. He says, as, as they were finding those old saw blades in the mud there where my where uh, C.A. Newell used to be, he says, I just knew your dad was standing right yeah. there with a big smile on his face. Of course, he would have kind of liked it if it was a 20-story building and a lot of uh, space around it. And But that's okay. Tell us a story about the red door. The red door. Moving the red door. Moving the red door. Thank God my son decided in in 2000 that he could give me five years and see if he liked the business or not. My mother had died, and he'd come home for mom's um, funeral, and he said that if he stayed in rock and roll he was going to have to go to the dark side and manage the talent and he what really, band did he work for oh a whole bunch of them uh, he set up for the voodoo lounge he did the he, you know he 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 traveled with blind melon for two and a half wow. years he's on all their he's got their platinum albums hanging in here because they listed him as one of the band members he but he was he was stage manager, so he knew how to set it up, knock it down, move it to the next town. Which, when people say, "How did he learn to do this business?" Mm-hmm. I say, "Well, rock and roll." Yeah. Uh, but he had uh, the moxie 
when um, when it became apparent that I couldn't move the little blue building off of the Fremont Bridge, which I wanted to, that had been Dad's offices. The guys that were going to do the moving said, but we could move this one. And, of course, Alpha in the Red Door heard that. And it, he had the right to be right back in that Epi building, uh, right on that corner, with as much space as he wanted, Red Door. But he would have had to have been closed for 18 months. Mm. And he said, 18 months and we won't be here. He talked me and consequently Michael took the job of moving the Red Door. And we had um, uh, house movers do it who had a good track record mm. and said they could do it. And it was a challenge. You, had, you needed five permits to do it. I applied for all five of them a year and a half ahead of time. Whoa. And the city said, no, you can only do one at a time. Until you do the demolition, you can't apply for them. I said, that won't work. We got to be doing demolition, getting building out of the hole, moving it, and ready to plop it on top, or this thing's all going to get stopped. Mm -hmm. Well, you just couldn't do it that way, but we did. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget the day that uh, they red-tagged us, and, and everything in the newspapers said we were moving this thing on Sunday. And they red-tagged us at 8 o'clock Friday morning. And um, I sent somebody down to argue with them, with the red tag. And, uh, but I called up, and I just said, uh, I can close Evanston Street because I can close it for, uh, we'd closed it for the market many, many times. However, I will say this was February, and uh, the market wasn't functioning in February, but I'd still close it for the market. Evanston Street doesn't have any utilities or any overhead stuff in it. So that's why rolling this thing across was not a problem. The building was already up out of the pit, and we were, God, the Red Door had half their improvements already done. We had no permits for any of it. They were all in application, and the city was handling them one at a time in sequence, which wasn't going to work. The only one they had signed off on was the platform we had built over on the street where it sits today that was signed off but they weren't going to sign off in time on that friday for me to roll the building this is the moving of the building i said well come on out on sunday with the seattle times and i'll show you how we're going to drive it on those uh, 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 747 wheels it's on I am going to drive it like a vehicle out of my driveway across the street onto my other property's driveway and park it you come on out and show me why I can't do that Right. and at 5 o'clock in the afternoon they managed to produce the permit wow wow and so you rolled the building down the street we did I did not drive it so we know that you're vocal about where the city of Seattle falls short. So what are some of the biggest frustrations you have with the city of Seattle right now? I, I just think our city's making huge, huge mistakes mm -hmm. in getting into trying to figure out how businesses, how they can micromanage how businesses mm -hmm. run. We're losing businesses today out of Seattle who don't want to be micromanaged mm. by the government. And we're now into our fifth or sixth thing that they're doing, that once you get out of Seattle, you don't have to worry about uh, a Seattle, uh, you know, a, a city rule about how you, uh, how you uh, 
um, schedule your employees or whether you pay um, uh, sick pay. And you say, oh, well, that's kind of petty of you. Well, all kinds of businesses do things differently. Mm -hmm. And most heavy construction type businesses, people argue for more wages and less of these frivolous things like they're going to go after vacations next. Mm. I mean, it's pretty petty. So you're talking about minimum wage? And, all of that. Yeah. All of that. Whereas we have laws that affect the entire state and people are used to doing their um, labor and, and industries reporting and stuff. But this getting down to this petty level of how the city's doing it is hurting us. Mm. Secondly, I think they're pretty petty about their land use um, uh, decisions. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm the first one to say I hate the idea of an apodment up wall-to-wall <laughs> -wall with my Fremont library. Right. I think it's a terrible use of the property. But the city has got to be uh, understanding that they've caused that. Mm -hmm. That little piece of property was the parsonage for the church. Mm -hmm. That little piece of property was zoned commercial. That little piece of property should have been developed commercial. But oh no, the city said all commercial can be multifamily. And oh, by the way, if you do multifamily, you don't have to do a parking. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden, that little tiny piece of property became much more lucrative for building a whole bunch of apartments with no parking mm. than it did to retrofit it for a commercial use. Luckily, I've got enough of Fremont that is zoned industrial, and I will fight to the death mm. having that change to anything further than industrial commercial, which is what um, Quadrant Lake Union Center is. As long as it's industrial, it can't be built for apartment buildings. Consequently, we will continue to build commercial and industrial property that has jobs attached to it. Mm -hmm. You ask what makes it affordable to be in Seattle? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, a job, a good job. Mm -hmm. And our manufacturing jobs here, ASCO Processing to Theo Chocolate to Fremont Brewery right. are good paying manufacturing jobs that manufacture a high-end product. Now, just, you know, widgets isn't gonna do it. These people have to think of really strong, dynamic uses. And the ones we have do. Look at Quijack Boat and the incredible aluminum boats they have produced. Those are good industrial jobs. Okay, so let's, let's shift course a little bit. Um, you know, obviously there's all these different spaces that we've talked about from Fremont Brewery to Adobe to Google. Theo Chocolate. Uh, Theo Chocolate, right? Um, we actually- Mischief Distillery. Milstead uh, coming. Yeah, Milstead, Mil yeah, Milstead coming, that's exciting. Uh, we actually just interviewed Brian Pape over at Mir. Oh yes, uh, which the Brooks he speaks, Building. He speaks really highly of you. Really enjoyed. Well, um, we love our Brooks Building, yes. and that's headquarters. And that's that's almost an anomaly because, like Adobe, they moved in from somewhere else. And usually in Fremont, we grow our own. Tableau was five guys in the Burke Building before it was beautiful Tableau, but with Brooks, they were sitting out there in, in Bothell being shown everything that was possible mm -hmm. uh, in South Lake Union. And luckily, 
the Skanska people said they had a better idea, and they came. And when they came, I said, you know I don't sell property. And they said, well, we'll land lease it. We'll do one of your land leases, Susie. And I said, oh, my gosh, I promised Michael we wouldn't do that one because his shop was down there. And, it, yeah, I said, well, if you can talk Michael into it. And it was just too good to pass mm, up. And yeah. it was so wonderful to get Brooks. A lot, what people didn't realize was that one of the guys that worked up on the fire station, Station 9, his wife worked at Brooks. Oh, perfect. He says, this brings us down to one car, Susie. Uh, I mean, you know, all kinds of things about these folks were, they were already in the Wallingford and right. Queen Anne neighborhoods. They were city people having to drive to Bothell to right. work. And instead, they run down yeah. to to Brooks, and Brooks is a wonderful partner to Fremont. Yeah. Yeah. You may not know this, but they've partnered up with Fremont Rotary. Oh. Uh, uh, things that get returned to Brooks, they give them to Fremont Rotary. For Fremont Rotary gets them out to various charities. Wow. Um, wonderful, wonderful partner on the Fremont Fun Run. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the above. Yeah. And they have a beautiful building. That's oh, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. Showing yeah. the city of Seattle right. how to actually have <laughs> a green building. Right. That works. Well, and be selective on who comes into the commercial space too, right? Well, I mean, they really were. Yeah. That was almost bothering me because, you yeah. know, to have empty commercial space right. in Fremont, and they kept saying, Susie, it's not empty. It's not empty. And you know who owns that, you, uh, the building? Unico Properties. Right. You can't get much more Seattle than that. Right. It's wonderful. So as you look forward, you know, your dad's legacy started in the 30s. You've continued that on for the last several decades. And looking forward, your family will... Be, Just keep reinvesting in Fremont. Have be reinvesting in Fremont. So we don't know how to do anything else. When you close your eyes and you look um, uh, at your legacy going forward and the, the legacy within Fremont, what do you, what are your hopes for the neighborhood yeah. uh, specifically here in Fremont? I, I usually I usually say we're about halfway there. Okay. That's just to shake everybody up. And you'll nice. say that for the next I'll several decades. I'll say that forever. Yeah. Because, you know, mom and dad, when I came to work for them, they had a nice industrial park, working good. And they just said, but wouldn't it be nice if Fremont was the little, that was the nice little town that it used to be? Because my folks grew up on Green Lake, and they both thought of Fremont as a nice little town. So... We're making it a nice little town inside a town. Okay. And our only real problem is making sure the city of Seattle doesn't stop us. <laughs> and we just keep doing it. But I did hear a beautiful thing at this re- little meeting I was at this morning where the city of Seattle has decided if somebody wants to have an event, it's okay if it's in Fremont. I mean, other places they're going to stop it, but if it's in Fremont. Mm-hmm. Just go for and it. And I like that. Yeah. See, we don't go to Seattle and ask them to do stuff for us. We go to Seattle and ask them not to do stuff to us. <laughs> Let us work our um, our folks here. Our neighborhoods want to keep some single family neighborhood and I'm all for it. Mm. So our our whole focus here will be to keep jobs in Fremont. And as long as we keep jobs in Fremont, we'll be able to afford to live in Fremont, or as I like to do, I live in Fremont and I sleep in Ballard. <laughs> ah, there we go. Okay. Well, and it seems like, you know, with all this growth too, Fremont's maintained its funky reputation oh, yeah. and doing... We're quirky. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is fun. 
Okay, so uh, shifting gears um, one last time. Let's just talk. You're you're a really generous person. Uh, what are some of the organizations that you're working with and endeavors that you're really passionate about that you want to highlight? Any initiatives you want our listeners to know about, you know, giving opportunities or volunteering opportunities for people listening? Well, the, the I raised quite a bit of money for Mary's Place this yeah. year, and I yeah. really, really, really tell people, if you want to get into helping homelessness, that's women with kids, and yeah. there's just no no downside to yeah. it. And they're lovely people, and they, they just spent the money so wisely. Mm. Um, I love a St. Vincent de Paul for exactly the same reason. They don't take government money. They just get the job done. Yeah. Salvation Army, those things. So if you're worried about homelessness, go to those people. They know what to do. Well, we know your time is valuable and you need to run. And usually at this point in the interview, we give our guests an opportunity to uh, publicize where where our listeners can find out more about you. But despite a lot of your high-profile projects, you guys kind of fly under the radar yeah. online and with social media. So, is um, You don't need to know much more about Fremont Dock Company, but I will say Fremont is fremocentrist.com, and it tells all its good stories all the time. That's uh, Kirby Laney, and uh, she's never seen a story about Fremont that she doesn't want to write. Uh, right up and of course you come on down to the Fremont Fair I will guarantee you that something will surprise you mm. at the Fremont Fair it always surprises me <laughs> and you'll have a lot of fun but you need to know that you're also giving back to the community when you do that and isn't that a nice thing mm. uh, we have a lot of fun here and uh, we hope everybody's going to uh, come in. You know, we're Sunday market every Sunday. Mm. That isn't just for us. That's so that other communities can come down and participate in Fremont at a very low price point mm -hmm. um, and enjoy. But you can then stop in and have a really good burger at the Red Door, or you can go over and have a tour of Theo Chocolate. Um, you can go over and sit on the outside uh uh, area of the Fremont Brewery. I yeah. will say, we are enjoying uh, a little uh, rebirth of activity in Fremont Rotary, not just the doing the Brooks stuff and the making sandwiches for Operation Nightwatch, but Seattle Pacific over the last few years has started a Rotaract club. So they're, as the uh, young ones graduate out of Seattle Pacific they're looking around for a Rotary Club to join and here we are so Hales Brewery every 530 every Tuesday night like last night uh, come and join us at, at Fremont Rotary. Do they still have $2 beers? They still do have a special deal on, on beer and then on top of it all they have the uh, $6 dinner uh, because you eat off of the happy hour menu Wow. Well, I think that that encapsulates Susie Burke right there, um, yeah. making Fremont better. Uh, yeah, Susie, thank you so much. This you has bet. been a pleasure. It's, really enjoyed it's it. It's a joy and a pleasure. Thanks for coming Perfect. to me. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. Rice Seattle was produced and recorded by the very talented Brett Baird. Special thanks to Bravery Music for our intro and outro music. You can contact us and find all the show notes and episodes on our website, riseseattlepodcast.com. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at TheRiseSeattle and use the hashtag RiseSeattle. You can subscribe to our podcast and write us a very nice five-star review on iTunes. 
Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode.